Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. This gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Would you pray with me? God, these are your words written by Paul to a small church in Ephesus. And Lord, they are words written by you for your people today here in Alamosa. Lord, for your people at the ends of the earth. Lord, I pray that as we unpack your word this morning, Lord, you would speak to us. Lord, remind us of the good news of Jesus. Lord, that we would, we would know you and love you more. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So as mentioned in 2017, almost to the day, five years ago, my wife and I arrived in Rome with our two kids. We have had two more since then, so we have two Roman citizens in our home. And uh, uh, we arrived on a Friday, jet lagged and all, and that Sunday I was preaching and leading worship, and that's, uh, that's what I've done ever since then. We inherited a church of, there's about 80 some people who were attending during that time, uh, we were excited. We were excited to be there. Um, a little bit about us, though. Part of our calling to lead transient international people to discover their lasting purpose in Jesus. That's our family's mission, to lead transient international people to discover their lasting purpose in Jesus Christ. These people who are moving constantly, when everything around them is changing, it's difficult to figure out, well, what's lasting in life? And I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is that one thing that they can find foundation. It's what I found. My experience is very similar to those that we work with. I was raised a missionary kid on the mission field. My parents were sent from this very valley overseas to the country of Ecuador, and that's where I grew up and met my wife in high school, and we've felt a particular calling to bring the gospel to these moving people. How do you share the gospel with a moving target? Do you know that today one in every seven people is living outside of their home country and culture? Now when you talk about people groups in the world, and missions often talk about what people group are you reaching? Well, if you were to take all of the people living outside of their home countries and and if you could get them in the same place and draw a geographic boundary around them, they would comprise the fifth largest country in the world. They need to be reached with the gospel. We believe that the international English-speaking church is one way to do that. 
whom God has called us to. Back to Ephesians chapter 3. A little bit of context. You see, Paul is talking about how there is a mystery. Uh, We call this Paul's mysterious interruption because he begins with a thought in verse 1 and says, wait, I got something to tell you about this mystery that is in Jesus. If you remember the Ephesians in Acts chapter 19, Paul had come to Ephesus and shared the gospel with the Ephesians there. And uh, not long after that, many of them who practiced magic arts, dark arts, they were part of the occult into dark spiritual things. They brought their scrolls uh, about magic arts and they burned them. It was worth a lot of money, the Bible tells us. You see, the Ephesians were seeking answers through dark means. And they found those answers, or rather the answer, in Jesus Christ. And they abandoned everything else to follow Him. There was a gal, I'll call her Meredith, whom we met uh, several months ago, probably about eight months ago. And uh, Meredith had left her home in northern Europe right after high school to go and, and make money and make a life for herself. She lived abroad and has lived abroad ever since. She eventually moved to Italy, learned Italian, and wanted to live and work there. I mean, who wouldn't? There's great weather and great food, and that's a big reason why she came. And uh, during her life's story, at some point, she got into New Age mysticism, or really spiritism is what she called it. Nothing all that different from what the Ephesians were wrapped up in. And uh, she followed a particular guru, leader online, and was steeped in the practice of these dark things willingly. As time went along, the leader she was following just happened to begin reading the Bible. And her leader became convinced of who Jesus was, the Son of God, and she professed faith in Him and turned from her New Age practice to following Jesus. And so Meredith, who's following her leader online, goes, okay. And she finds a Bible, begins reading it, discovers who Jesus is, and professes faith in Christ and becomes a believer. It was an incredible story of how God works through His Word. Well, Meredith didn't know anybody else in her life who's a believer. Nobody. And so this was just a few years ago, and the onset of COVID happens, and she's locked at home, and and, uh, she's Googling, can I baptize myself? She had nobody in her life to walk alongside her in growing in her knowledge and love of Jesus. And so when she came to us, she said, "I I would like to grow in my knowledge and love of Jesus at this church. We had the wonderful privilege of baptizing Meredith into the family of God just a few months ago. You see, God is wise and give grace to the lost that they would seek Him and find Him in His gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is how anyone, anyone in Alamosa or anyone in Rome or anywhere gets in. That's the means. It's through Jesus. Paul's mysterious interruption here is not dark and mysterious, but it is light revealing the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that everyone has in Jesus, but through faith in Him. The gospel brings about the bride of Christ as people place their faith in Jesus. 
For this we worship God, who is wise to build His church through the power of the Gospel. And that's what Paul wants to make known. That Jesus has come. And He has made all the difference. Well, as we move into verses 7 and 8 here, Paul talks about how he is the least of the saints. There is a place in the city where we live that houses some really special step. You might remember from your church history, uh, Constantine, who made Christianity the official religion of Rome. Well, his mother was his biggest fan, and maybe the biggest fan of Christianity at the time. And uh, being the enthusiast that she was, she went to Jerusalem and she brought the steps from Pontius Pilate's home over to Rome. She could do that kind of thing. And, uh, and historically, it sounds pretty believable, and I think, I think it's pretty accurate. Well, today, if you visit the Scala Santa, or the Holy Steps, you will find pilgrims who have come to Rome, and they are climbing those steps on their knees, all 28 of them, reciting a recipe of prayers, and at the top they are awarded a bit of forgiveness of sins. Catholic Church calls these indulgences. Maybe even a little time off of purgatory. These steps are probably best known for a young monk who did the very same thing back in the 1500s. He climbed all of the steps on behalf of his grandfather, that his grandfather's sins would be forgiven and that his grandfather might be able to get out of purgatory. We know this monk today as Martin Luther. He climbed those steps, and at the top he had a bit of an epiphany. He said, this does not align with the good news of Jesus that I am reading in the Bible. Praise God that he moved forward with that thought. And we, uh, we know it today as the Reformation. We live in a very religious environment in Rome. Italy is entrenched in a works-based salvation that you can work to get salvation. However, nobody seems to be able to guarantee that salvation. Verse 7 through 8 reminds us of how unimportant any of Paul's works or qualifications or experience were in his calling to preach the gospel. Despite his own intellect and acumen, his passion and dedication, despite his years of training and experience, he has... He has nothing to do with the calling. Only by God who gave him grace and exercised his power is Paul a minister of the gospel. And the truth is, although I proclaim a gospel, a righteousness that is based on Christ's work alone, I confess that I too often succumb to trusting in my own abilities to do virtually anything. You see, when we arrived in Rome with 80-some people in our church and, and ready to pastor and, and lead this church forward, I had just finished seminary, and I got pretty good grades. I'd had years of missions experience. I had been in ministry for a long time. And if I do say so myself, I had pretty good looks. <laughs> had everything going for us. Over time, it took about three and a half years, the Lord allowed that ministry to dwindle. He had not abandoned His church. 
What the Lord was doing was dismantling my pride. It didn't matter what I had brought to Rome. It's only by God's grace and by His power that I was anywhere doing anything. You see, God's grace put into perspective all of Paul's education, his possessions, even his life. And though I was trusting in my own education and missions experience and abilities, the Lord taught me more about my sin and His grace. And He allowed the ministry to dwindle. Until 2020, at the end of the year, we signed a contract on a building. We had not been able to meet in person, and so we were saving a lot of money on rent. Uh, and our membership decided, hey, we, we will commit to moving forward on renting a building so that we can worship together. We were allowed to do that. that we signed that contract at the very, very end of December 2020. By the middle of January, we had several families that said we would like to uncommit to not just the building, but this church. And sitting there with my wife and I and three other people that we could name uh, who were still committed, we said, is this still what God wants to do? Will God still build His church here? This challenged our marriage, challenged our faith, it challenged my relationships it challenged our gospel witness because was the gospel really enough to build God's church here in this difficult place? Well, God reminded me that we were missionaries only, as Paul says, according to the gift of God's grace and by the working of His power. Just a week after several of those families left, we got a few emails from new people who said we've heard of your church and we'd like to join you online and, and would that be okay? And I said, well, I guess I'll put another sermon together. You see, by God's mercy and His grace, this cements and sanctifies our thinking about our purpose in Christ. Namely, to preach. To preach about the unsearchable riches of Christ. God has called us to preach to transient internationals, the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is all we really have to talk about with others. That at the end of the day, as we are growing in Christ, we are discovering more and more about Him, and you're not going to get to the end of it. So if you're discouraged or feel dry in your walk with the Lord, He is still sufficient. My guess, it's, it's us that needs to be reminded of our purpose in Him to continue to seek that this is the only place in Christ that we are truly fulfilled and satisfied. So we worship God for His will, wisdom to build His church according to the power of His gospel. This gospel creates something. It creates the local church. With the gospel being preached, God arranges the body with the most unlikely of people. Let me tell you a story about a gal. I'll, I'll call her Sarah. She uh, came to Italy under the most difficult of circumstances. 
We, were, uh, we took the kids to the park one uh, winter, and you know how it is in the winter. You've been inside for way too long, and you, just, you have to get out. And so we went to the park and didn't expect anyone else to be there, but there's a gal there with a young girl, a little girl. And uh, as we do, I hear, I hear English being spoken. And so, so we sort of play closer. <laughs> And I introduced myself and heard you're speaking English and, and come to find out this gal and her sister and, and uh, the daughter of one of them, they live right behind us, right in our neighborhood. And, uh, and so we, you know, gave them a ride home. And as, as we got to know this family over the last several years, it's been about three and a half years now, we heard a very, very sad story. The older sister to whom the, the little girl belonged she had left her country in South America to represent her country as a diplomat in the city of Washington, D.C. And it was, a, it was a dream come true experience. And she was very good at what she did. And during that time, she met the man of her dreams and, and everything was going fantastic. And then it began to crumble. She was diagnosed with cancer. Her husband was found to be having multiple affairs. And at the same time as all of this was happening, he became a very different person, extremely manipulative and violent, dangerous. Trouble was this guy was incredibly powerful in the diplomatic community, and she realized if she went back to her country, it would not be safe for her there. So without anywhere else to go, she followed him back to Italy, he, he being Italian, and uh, began the messy process of working through a divorce in hopes that she'd be able to keep her daughter because of the danger this man posed. That's where she is today. But Sarah was hopeless. I've never met somebody with less going for her. No friends, no family, no support, no structure, nowhere to turn. And when we met her and began to share the gospel, she had a stone-cold rejection. I didn't want anything to do with religion or God. See, she was quite angry with God for where she was in life. Where does God get the materials to build His church? God builds His church out of the hopeless. God builds His church out of the sinful. Those who most desperately need Jesus. Just a few months ago, Sarah came to my wife and said, I think I'm ready now to begin reading the Bible with you. Would you do that with me? And being so busy, we said, no way. <laughs> no, of course, we said, absolutely, we would love to read the Bible with you. And over a short period of time, she came to faith in Jesus and has professed faith in Him and she's preparing for baptism even now. Worship God for His wisdom to build His church by the power of the gospel. In verse 9, Paul is preaching to everyone. And so as everyone hears the gospel, so God begins to build the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 describes this. says that we're no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. In Jesus, we belong to a structure that is growing 
united, holy, a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. One day we were arranging chairs before the service and there was a refugee guy there from Nigeria, a very African, very black African refugee. And Charles had told me several times, I am Catholic. I am not uh, evangelical. And I said, okay, I'm glad you're here. But eventually I had to say, why are you here? Because there is a Catholic church right behind where we're meeting. And he told me, well, nobody will sit next to me there. I said, Charles, you are welcome here. We'll always have someone to sit next to you. You see, the gospel creates the most beautiful display of God's love. When the most diverse people love one another as they learn to love Jesus, and they stand a shoulder to shoulder worshiping their gracious God and Father, it's where the hopeless find hope. It's where the diverse and unlikely, those who should never have been invited, find salvation in Jesus Christ. A common salvation that we can all enjoy together. The grace of God is heard and seen and shown when the most diverse of people enter into committed relationships based on Christ's love for one another. This is the living example of verse 6 where Paul says they are fellow heirs. We are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, Paul describes this manifold wisdom of God. That God has made this body, this church. It shows the manifold wisdom of God to the spiritual realm. And that word manifold could also be translated multifaceted. Kind of like a diamond when you hold it up to the light and you see its various cuts and angles. And as you rotate it, it shimmers and shines. So when the church of Jesus is lifted up and shown in the light of the gospel of Jesus and it turns in all of its different faces and places, so we see Jesus is glorious. I love the church. I love the church because it shows me more about God. I worship Him because God is wise to build His church by the power of the gospel. Jesus is sweet. He is truly the sweet life, la dolce vita. But the reality is that life is often very bitter. There's a lot of suffering involved in following Jesus. Paul, uh, Paul reminds us of that. He reminds the Ephesians of that in verse 12. He is suffering on their behalf. Before I left uh, Rome for the summer so that I could come tell you guys about what God's doing, before we left, we installed three deacons. It was the first time in our church history to install deacons. Lord willing, we'll have some elders soon. I don't know how they appoint deacons in your church, but I decided the best thing I could do is to hand these guys machetes. <laughs> I'm sure the deacons here have something similar. I gave each of these deacons machetes for two reasons. One, because we have been called to blaze a trail for the gospel of Jesus Christ in a place where it's been virtually unheard of but also to remind them of the battle that we're in. While I'm here with the privilege of sharing with you about what God's doing there, our three deacons are there holding the church together in faith that Christ is continuing to work.
that Jesus calls his disciples to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow him. The cross is uncomfortable. It is painful, and it always ultimately leads to death. <clears throat> We're to follow him at the loss of all things, but to gain the reward of Jesus. Christ sends his church on a rescue mission within the gates of hell to snatch sinners from the fires of hell. This is a daunting task, especially when we consider our own strength, especially when I consider my own strength. I'm often tempted to think that it is foolish and impossible that God could create His church out of such diverse people. I'm often tempted to think it is foolish and impossible that temporary residents residing in Rome could actually join a church and love one another as Christ has loved them? I often think it's foolish and impossible that in the shadow of the Catholic Church that the gospel of Jesus could be effectively preached and expected to grow. I confess, I often believe it is foolish and impossible that we could continue to daily live under such a spiritual darkness and actually be sustained. We forget, though, who's writing this letter and by whose power he is able to write this letter. You see, Paul wrote to the Ephesians from a place just down the street from where I live. And it's not another apartment complex. Paul's writing this from prison down the street from my house. In a jail cell in the city where I live, Paul is writing this letter trusting that the gospel of Jesus Christ is able to form and keep the church of Jesus in Ephesus. And I believe that we can trust the gospel of Jesus Christ to continue to form and keep His church in Rome and Alamosa. Do you believe that? I hope so. You see, God's purposes are not thwarted. Paul is talking about God's eternal purpose. Everything is going according to His plan. When the gospel forms the visible and diverse bride of Christ as a beacon of God's wisdom to the spiritual realm, all is going according to His plan. Verse 11 says, this was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The church is the exclamation mark of that purpose. God is accomplishing that purpose through the gospel of Jesus, bringing spiritually dead hearts to life from the ends of the earth to the city of Rome, even to the very place where I'm standing right now. You cannot know God's eternal purpose for your life if you do not know who Jesus Christ is. You see, Jesus left His home, not as a tourist, not as a businessman, not as a refugee. He left His home as the second person of the Trinity. He is God Himself who has come to earth to put on ill-fitting flesh that He would die in our stead for the sin that we committed. All that we deserved was laid on His back and He died the death that we should have died. And then, miracle upon miracle, He rises from dead. Wait, it's not that much of a miracle because he's the author of life. He comes back to from the dead to life and he extends that life to all who would believe in him. That's good news. 
There isn't any better news than that. And as he does so, he exposes the things in our heart that we have loved more than him. Anything that we have turned to that is not him, that promises to satisfy us, to pro that promises us satisfaction, significance, security. He says, it is all found in me, in Jesus alone. Therefore, in him, as Paul says, we have boldness and access to the Father with confidence through our faith in him. That doesn't say so much about our faith but more about who Jesus Christ is. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. What do we do with the message of Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, about this mystery, about this gospel, about this church that God is building? Oh, we respond with boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. We trust the Lord and we tell. We trust and tell. My wife and I will return to Rome in a little bit over a week. We've had a fun, very full summer telling people about what God's doing there. We're trusting the Lord will continue to form and to keep His church in Rome. And until He tells us to do something else, we'll continue there. We're boldly asking the Lord for a few things. First, we're asking that people would continue to pray. It, we would not be there today if it was not for the Lord's work. Through people like you, praying that God's Word would go forward into the darkness. And people who are lost would come to find Him. Thank you for praying. We ask that you continue to pray for us. We have some prayer cards in the foyer that uh, will help you to remember to pray for us. And secondly, there's always a financial need. As the gospel goes forward, the Lord provides through His church to be able to continue to seize the opportunities He brings along to continue sharing the gospel. So if you feel led to give to what God's doing in Rome, there's some information on that prayer card with a little QR code. I barely know how those work, but I'll bet you do. Until I'm looking at a tech-savvy crowd. The greatest thing we're asking for this summer, though, is that you would pray with us for God to raise up men and women who would come alongside us in the work there. We were so excited a couple of years, another church was planted about 10 minutes down the road, and, and I am not the one to say, oh no, we've got competition. There's nobody else out there preaching the gospel. We need more people preaching the gospel. An Italian church was planted, and the pastor and I are, are learning to hold hands tighter and tighter. We don't have elders in our church. There's just so few believers. Which means of the believers there are, there are not many mature men to take the place of eldership. And so we're praying that God would bring those men to fill those places. We need them. I desperately need them. So would you pray alongside us that God would bring people, whether it's people for pastoral ministry or people who simply will live out the gospel in everyday ordinary lives. Maybe you have a skill or a trade and you say, maybe I can do this in Rome. Maybe you can. We'd love to have that conversation and pray alongside with you about that opportunity. We're working on ways that churches like this one could bring teams and serve the people there and spread the gospel. We'll let you know more about that in the days to come, Lord willing. Worship God for His wisdom to build His church by the power of the gospel. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, 
who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.